Welcome to the weekly podcast at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church. My name is Doc Hollingsworth. I'm senior pastor of this great congregation, and we're delighted that you've joined us. Our prayer for you is that as you listen to this message, you might feel closer to God and closer to God's hope for you. Haggai, the first chapter from the 15th verse to the second verse, verse 9. And you can find it on your, in your pew Bible on page 768. And then, came the, and then came and worked on the house, in the house of the Lord of hosts of God, on the 24th day of the month, in the sixth month, in the second year of King Darius, in the seventh month, on the 21st day of the month, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak now to Jerubbabel, the son of Shehadai, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, son of Jehoshaphat, the high priest, and to the remnant of the people, and say, Who is left among you that saw the house in its former glory? How does it look to you now? Is it not your sight for nothing? As, as yet now, take courage, O Jerubbabel, says the Lord, take courage, O Joshua, son of Zodadak, the high priest. Take courage, all you people of the land, says the Lord. Work, for I am with you, says the Lord of hosts, according to the promise that I made you when you came out of Egypt. My spirit abides among you. Do not fear, for thus says the Lord of hosts, once again in a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations so that the treasure of the nations shall come, and I will fill this house with splendor, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, says the Lord of hosts. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former, says the Lord of hosts, and in this place I will give prosperity, says the Lord of hosts. Many years ago, I was an interim pastor at First Baptist Church, Auburn, Alabama. And a professor who was a member of that church did a study. He, uh, he looked at several years and looked at the offering on Sunday and how it might be different, for, different from when Auburn won on Saturday and when they lost on Saturday. And as it turns out, the offering was much better uh, across the years when Auburn won on Saturday. I don't know why that story came to mind for me today, <laughs> but it should inspire a wonderful generosity at the table right over there as you leave. That had nothing to do with the sermon, it just came to me. <laughs> Have you noticed that uh, television and movie programs always have a story, two or three stories sometimes, that are going on beneath the primary story. You know, they're solving the crime or saving the world, the big story. And then underneath there are these other stories playing out that always serve the big story, right? I mean, except for like Gilligan's Island or Walker, Texas Ranger. I mean, ones that have good writers, they do this. So, it might be a conflict between Claire and Phil Dunphy over the Thanksgiving meal. It's secondary to the big part of the story. 
or, or the energy between James Bond and the always beautiful spy he just met on this mission. But it's, pro, it's secondary to his saving the world. If somebody asked, what was that movie about? You'd never answer it was about James Bond flirting with a Russian spy. That was the secondary story supporting the larger one. Well, I think the biblical witness is much the same. And today we're looking at a few verses from Haggai, which is definitely one of the smaller stories going on in the witness, right? I mean, salvation and redemption do not exactly hang in the balance over how familiar you are with the minor prophets. You could live a really satisfying life of faith in Jesus, a real full life in the abundance of Christ, and have never read Haggai. It is two chapters, a total of 38 verses, and Haggai served as a prophet for only three and a half months. Only Liz Truss would think that was a long run of leadership. <laughs> Besides, his story is about a building project that was 500 years before Jesus ever showed up on the scene. So why bother? Why don't you just skip it? Preach that story about the boy who lived with pigs and his daddy threw him a party. Something we know. Well, you know, I preach the familiar too. But these secondary stories are always rich for understanding the life of faith because they're always in service to one of the grand themes of Scripture. They illuminate one or more of the big themes of God's redemptive work. And in this story, there is a big and important truth about God that's bubbling up, hidden in this Old Testament book we usually give no attention to. So here's the story. You know that the Israelites were exiled in Babylon for 70 years after King Nebuchadnezzar came into Israel, destroyed the temple, and took the Hebrews captive. There's some dispute about the dates of that exile, but let's call it 608 to 538 B.C., there is no dispute about the dates of uh, Haggai's ministry. Apparently, he wants you to be really clear about when this proclamation happened. It happened in the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, for those of you keeping score at home. So, it's about 520 B.C., 18 years after the Israelites have been released from captivity. The remnant has come back home. Eighteen years they've been back home. They've built new houses. They've planted gardens. They've got the kids enrolled in private school. But nothing has been done to rebuild the destroyed temple. Eighteen years, nothing. The temple the center of Jewish life and faith, the place that houses the Holy of Holies, the Ark of God's presence, nothing, 18 years. And Haggai calls on the old folks who remember. Who's left among you who saw this house in its former glory? 
How does it look to you now? Is it not in your sight as nothing? The prophets taking on the community over their failure to rebuild the temple. The church I first served out of seminary uh, in Roswell was a church start. I've told you about this congregation before. It was a planned mission, a church start, borrowed money. We got the note from the bank and it was co-signed by Dunwoody Baptist Church. We got enough to build the building. There was enough to build the building but not enough to pave the parking lot. So a few years later, a campaign started to pave the parking lot. It was a campaign that was motivated by women who wear heels to church. We started the capital campaign. We had an interim pastor at the time, Jim Manley, a clear speaking, educated, country style preacher. Manley would just call it as it is. And one Sunday sermon in the middle of this campaign, Manley said, I've been to your house. I've been to a lot of your homes for lunch since I've been interim. Beautiful homes. Every one of you had a paved driveway. He said, I can't believe you'd do that at your house and wouldn't do that at your church. That's what Haggai is saying. It's time for you to put the temple back where it belongs, in the middle of the community, in her full splendor, at the center of your life. Your neglect of God's house and the life of faith has gone on long enough. But the energy wasn't there. They had the post-exile blues. When the former temple had been spectacular, and this defeated people just had no energy for sacrificing for something lesser. Besides, the glory days were all in the past. Finances are tough post-exile. It's all we can do to make ends meet, you know, rising inflation, and Fed's going to go up again on the rates, and we're saving for the kids' college. And it's just no energy to sacrifice and rebuild the temple when it's clear to us that the heyday was behind us anyway. I mean, besides the God at the center commitments, those were back there. That's not what it's like anymore. Our, our kids and their friends don't even care that much about the traditions. And the great leaders, Moses and David and Solomon, the great ones are behind us. All we've got left is just this misty charm of nostalgia. As Bruce Springsteen says, yeah, I'm just sitting back trying to recapture a little of the glory of. Well, time slips away and leaves you with nothing, mister, but boring stories of glory days. They said, God's best work was back there, back when Second Ponce was full, back when the kids were little, back before the diagnosis, back when she still loved me, back when Archie and Edith sang, those were the days, Mr., we could use a man like Herbert Hoover again, guys like me, we had it made, those were the days, but not today. Today's marked by low church attendance and rising inflation and hate-filled politics and 
well, giving my best for the faith has just lost the allure. It's also lost cultural influence, you know. It's just, it's just not on the top of my agenda anymore. And here's where the prophet stands up tall. This major presence of a minor prophet stands up and Haggai just dresses them down. He says, take courage. Take courage, all the people of the land. Work, for I am telling you, my spirit abides among you, says God. Do not fear. I will fill this house with splendor. The silver is mine. The gold is mine. The latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former. I mentioned that the smaller biblical stories always serve the big themes of what God is doing in the world. And the message of Haggai is a recurring theme through all of Scripture. Do not be afraid. God is working on something better. Always live with hope. It's all over. You remember the Israelites trapped between an army and the Red Sea and God delivers? The, the, the story of the grumbling Israelites complaining to Moses that there's nothing to eat and there's manna, God delivers. Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego in a fiery furnace, God delivers. Jesus hangs crucified on a cruel and dark Friday and Easter changed everything. It's a theme that happens throughout all of Scripture. Do not be afraid. God is working on something better. So always live with hope. The Israelites thought God's work, best work was behind them. It was in the past. Who could be better than Moses? Better than King David? Surely the best days are behind us. How could a new temple be anything like as good as the one Solomon built? We might as just, just as well remember the good old days and give up and roll over. And Haggai said, don't you dare. God is not finished. No matter how bleak the landscape, do not once, do not once think God has rolled over. Once again in a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land and I will shake all the nations so that the treasure of all nations will come and I will fill this house with splendor. Wow. This afternoon I'm driving to Augusta, uh, part of the CBF of Georgia meetings. And I'm on a panel tonight and tomorrow morning, and the panel discussion is about this unknown post-COVID world of church and all of that. And last Monday night, the facilitator of the panel, the consultant uh, who's moderating, hosted a Zoom meeting with the three of us who were on the panel, helping us prep for tonight, tomorrow morning, and all that. He put forth an image in that discussion that has just stayed with me all week. He said, ancient travelers were guided by the stars. And he said, in our post-COVID church, the stars are still in place. The stars are still true. 
It's just that now all of our maps are wrong. In other words, God is still God. The creative, redemptive love of God is still at work, but our forms of doing church may all have to change. The stars are still true. Just might be that our maps are all wrong. The Israelites looked at the rubble of their childhood hope. And the temple and its glory were gone, and they just figured, ah, it was a good run. Good days back when God's people were on top, when the temple was full on Sabbath, and the temple gleamed, and ah, the glory days. But the moment we think God has stopped redeeming bad situations into victories, we have chosen an unfaithful despair. The Lord speaks to God's people through Haggai and says, the silver is mine, the gold is mine, the latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former. Get up, go to work, because I'm with you. I talked about how this theme plays out in the faithful in Scripture, but it plays out long after it was bound in leather. You know this part of our second pot story. During the Depression, many of the men in Atlanta had to go north for jobs, and it left a lot of the churches uh, empty and poor including Second Baptist Church downtown and Ponce de Leon Avenue Baptist Church in Decatur. Those two churches were emptied of their leadership and their resources, and they looked like they might go under. And I bet a whole bunch of people sitting out there thought, the best ministry of those two churches is in the past. It's over. But in God's creative goodness, the latter splendor of this house shall be greater than the former. Those two congregations merged put their witness together 90 years ago, bought this piece of property, formed Second Ponce. It took vision and commitment. But Haggai said, take courage, take courage, all the people of the land. Work, for I am with you. My spirit abides with you. I'm just saying that limiting God by choosing fear over faith is an unfaithful and sad road. The great theme of Scripture throughout is that God is always redeeming bad situations into victories. It's true for the people of God as a group. It is also true in individual personal stories. That whatever the shape or color of your despair right now, do not be afraid. God is working on something better, and we all live with hope. God has not finished God's creative goodness in this place or in your life. God is always making Easter's out of Fridays. Thanks be to God. Let's stand and sing our faith.
Thanks for joining us. If you live in the Atlanta area or visiting Atlanta, come and worship with us in person on Sundays at Second Ponce de Leon Baptist Church.